Welcome to the podcast of People Church, where our vision is to connect Jesus to people and people to Jesus, influencing society in major cities around the world. From wherever you're listening, may you level up in your faith, your expectancy, and your relationship with Jesus. We hope God moves you through this message from Global Lead Pastor Chris Carmona. I want to go straight to Joshua uh, 18. We're going to read this real quick. It's going to change your life. We, at, at People Church, other churches make you read it yourself. On a Sunday, we throw this in for free. I'll read it for you, okay? I'm just saying, we're a full-service church. It's yours. It's yours. You, you lay back. Let me read this for you, okay? There's a recline button. In faith, in our new building, okay? No, I'll be preaching to a church that's asleep. Okay, keep going. Now that the land was under the Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their grants of land. Then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? I want to speak to you from two kind of titles. One is Monday, not so fun day. Right? Because how many people show up to a career, not a calling? How many people show up? And you know what? Even forget the career part. But Monday's just the beginning of the same old life going over and over again. Don't know your purpose. Aren't really satisfied. Maybe you're young, so you think it's just going to change over time. Or maybe you're young and you're living while you can because you know it won't change over time. But my little tagline to this message is leaving survival. Because you're not made to survive. You're not made to just exist. You're made with purpose. You weren't made to go through the motions. You're made to be passionate. An expression of God's love here on earth, bringing heaven down and changing humanity. You got to understand you were made for more. And it doesn't matter what your less looks like right now. God still has more in store for you. But here's the thing. God is not a bless me club. It's not a like, you know, you, 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 you sign up for a subscription, right? Like double tithe, you're getting just different blessing, right? Triple tithe, you're on, the, you're, on the, you're on the platinum plan. Go to church every Sunday of the year, you're, you're there. God doesn't like lip service. He needs heart space. And what God is more interested in is rather than advancing a people for people's sake, He's into a relationship with them. So I want to kind of take us through. How do we leave this survival mentality? Like they were in the, you got to understand, the people of Israel left Egypt, right? And then they're stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. What should have taken 40 days. Like could you imagine at that point you said left. All we keep doing is going left. That's called circles. Like just stuck there. Not moving. And you would imagine that you'd start questioning God and going, I thought you said isn't it funny how we question God while God is sitting there think, thinking to himself, if you just let go of? While you're on pause, while you're in waiting, God is working things out of you that don't belong with you in new spaces. And these people were stuck there. And in fact, in Deuteronomy 31, you get a bit of an understanding because what I find interesting is in Joshua 1 and Deuteronomy, you get this connection because you get this thing called the book of instruction referenced, right? Instruction manual. Who knows you wouldn't have read that? I'm the only one that doesn't read instructions? Thank you for the support. I appreciate that. Everybody else, be, thank you up there. Come on, church. We've got to be honest. Instructions are not, just, we don't need them, right? You just need that little Ikea tool 
and some patience. And you'll build something. <laughs> Who knows what, but you'll build something. So in Deuteronomy, he says, look at this book of instruction. And, and he kind of tells Moses to read it to the people because some people might have forgotten it and some people might not have been born understanding it. What is the book of instruction, you ask? Let me tell you. It's for free as well. Basically, it is the first five books of the Bible, right? They call it the Pentateuch, whatever, Bible college. I learned that. First five books of the Bible, right? And then in Joshua 1, fast forward to the most disconnected, God makes no sense, right? Have you ever had that moment? Like, God, please let me correct you. <laughs> like, I mean, I know you've done great things, but let me tell you. Then he tells Joshua, hey, Joshua, you're going to possess a land. It's time for you to get up and go. Chris Carmona paraphrase version. And he says that basically do not look from your left to your right. Meditate on this book of instruction day and night, and only then you will be successful. Now, let's put another piece of information on the table so we can make sense of this. Then he says that basically he's sending Joshua to war against 33 kings. He's got to possess 33 kingdoms. He's got to fight, go to war. Now, if you're me and you've called it instruction, instruction tells you what to do. That book has nothing to do with war. The first five books of the Bible, nothing on how to make a sword. Like, I would have felt like I was in school again and I missed the lecture or something. I'm sure it's in Exodus... Leviticus, no, sacrifices, sacrifices. Where is it? Nothing on how to build an army. Have you ever found that God's desire for you seems to be disconnected to his destination for you? It doesn't look like it makes sense. He's not looking. In fact, then what are these five books about? What do you want us to remember, God? The first five books of the Bible are all about relationship with him. That's all. Genesis, he introduces himself to us as a God who doesn't need us but makes us for a relationship. Exodus, he starts to show us how his plan and making us a people has always been his desire and how he can move heaven and earth and do anything to get his people. And in fact, we learn something really important in Exodus, that God puts things as obstacles that we might think if we buy into the wrong thing as God not with us, but he makes it an opportunity for his glory to be exemplified. Then you go to Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you see these things and we start to get a picture of what we must do in order to maintain the relationship. In short, we've got a relational God who basically says, if you're going to get to the places that I've called you to go, you've got to remember that you'll only get there through relationship with me. And the problem for humanity is we just want to get there. I want to be there already. I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk to you, God. I don't have to talk to you. Can I just talk to you on Sunday? Close on Sunday. Like, come on. Be my Chick-fil-A on Sunday. But everything else, like, I, just, I need my promise. So I want to go through. How do you and me transition from survival to everything that you're called to be? Surviving in our old mentality. Surviving your marriage till your kids grow up. Surviving my depression because... It is what it is. Surviving my church hurt. I'm a survivor. God has not called you to simply survive. You're a conqueror. In fact, you're more than a conqueror, which means a conqueror has selfish ambition. But Jesus is more than a conqueror because he conquered for the people. You think your church hurt was devil's strategy to take you out. You're wrong. Your church hurt was the devil's strategy to take you and many others out. 
Because on the other side of your health, on the other side of your healing, on the other side of your boldness, I'll tell you what happens. On the other side of two people coming from Australia, on the other side of Jake and Lauren joining team, on the other side of the people that have become people church, you see now multitudes coming through the doors. You see people coming through in our podcast. Why? Because faithfulness has never been tied around your destination. But the fact that God calls us as a people to go somewhere. You're not in this alone as much as you want to be. Let's leave survival and move into everything that God's called us to be. Ready? Number one is this. If we're going to leave survival, we have to transition from seeking his promise to seeking his face. How many times does our prayer evolve simply about what we want? Hey, God, if you just give me. And then what you do is the first prayer is typically God give me, right? The second prayer is if you give me, right? You start bargaining with God. Like you're just starting to look for a co-signer. Listen, if you give me a million, 50 is yours. Day two, he doesn't answer it. Day three, if you give me a million, 100 is yours. 100 grand. If you give me a million, fine, all right, you drive a hard bargain. Can I tell you there is a difference between getting God to co-sign on what you want so that you have now redeemed what you want versus doing what God has asked you to do and knowing that God doesn't need you and I to go to him to simply get things. He has created us to be in relationship with him. Meaning he wants to be with you. And when God is with you, we say that in Christian like circles, man, God be with you. We don't even know what that means anymore. If God is with you, let me tell you that you aren't hungry for relationships that are only going to ruin you. When God is with you, you are not hungry for people to give you titles and affirmation that you don't need. When God is with you, there is something more powerful than just title or skill set or desire or motivation or drive. When we start to realize that God wants relationship before he wants to bring us into promise, everything changes. The people left Egypt a people, but not in touch with God. And what you start to see is that they start shifting from people who get from God to people who get to believe, trust, and learn, and know God. But you know that this won't happen overnight, right? Ah, that's right. No one, everyone's like, oh, I thought I could just, you know, put in my calendar. But you know what? Intimacy takes time. And I have to learn him as provider. I need to experience him as healer. I need to experience these things. Because the full expression is not about just knowing and seeing, but knowing, seeing, touching, feeling, and experiencing. So I want to tell you right now, find purpose in your wilderness. And know that you don't have to be stuck there if you can start the transition from asking God for the promised land and start seeking God for the promises of relationship. God, let me draw close to you because when I'm close to you, I don't seem to yearn for the things that I don't need. When you start to lean on God, all of a sudden you start to move with a God-shaped momentum. Can I just tell you some things that will shift you from seeking His promise to seeking His face? Number one, it is the revelation, praying for the revelation of humility. Why is humility a revelation? Because arrogance is a blinder. Arrogance says that you could do it alone. Arrogance tells you that God is the soft option. Arrogance says that you should be able to achieve it by yourself. Arrogance says that you should be skilled enough. Humility is an understanding that everything you were given, God gave you. When did you choose to be a good speaker? When did you choose to be a great salesman? When did you choose to be eloquent? 
When did you choose to be a strategist? When did you choose? Did you sit there on the assembly line and pick for yourself the giftings that you now have? When can you tell your heart to start or stop? When can you decide what comes your way or doesn't come your way? Could you stop the rain? What are you doing? Just blocking the sun? Don't, I don't think so. You're just putting your hand in front of your face. Sun's still there. We say audacious things. The revelation of humility leads to the revelation that you need God. If we could pray the prayer, God, show me, reveal to me humility. Give me the revelation that I am just bones, breath, skin, and that you are my God who will lead me to the things I'm called to. Number two, transitioning from me to us. Transitioning from me to us. If you are in survival mode, it is self, right? Like I remember my sister once was we're in the ocean and, and she's drowning and like, cause in Australia, like, you, you know, a wave breaks, a sandbank goes and now you went from standing there to like, blah, 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 you know, it's like terrible, right? And her husband's six foot something, six foot four, and she just grabs him, stands on his shoulders. Meanwhile, he's like, blah, 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 blah. she's like, oh. I was talking to a life guy in Australia and he's like, you know that if people get crazy, we, we're told to knock them out. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're getting pulled in and you're just like, just flailing, thinking it's okay. And they're like, <laughs> I've always thought, what if you don't get knocked out? Smack, smack. I'm okay, smack. No, you're not, smack. Does it ever feel like God's having to drag you out of the place that is killing you? Man, I feel like sometimes you're dying and you're like, let me. It feels like he's fighting you, and the reality is you're fighting your best day. Survival becomes about you. Are you a survival businessman? Your table. Are you a survival Christian? Your account. Are you a survival church member? When it conveniences you. Survival is just about you and your table and your plate. Survival means you come to church when you need it, but you don't have a revelation that you come to church to build it because others need it. Survival will tell you that your influence works around God's schedule. But when you understand kingdom, you realize your influence is only because of God's schedule. Survival makes you care about you, yourself. Why? Because survival gives you the mentality that you alone are the person that will get you through. But when you join a bigger thing, a team, a kingdom, there is a benefit that goes with it. There is a benefit with belonging to something greater. You've got to understand that God called God's people, Israel, he called them to be his people because he wanted to display his glory. He, his whole plan was to save everybody. But he wanted to display his favor through one people so that all the people would say there is something different about you. You seem to go better than other people. You seem to go further than other people. And all you seem to do, and what does the Bible always say? Rest in me. How many times have you been angry when God tells you to rest? I can't rest, okay? My job's waiting for me, okay? I can't rest, okay? I want to rest, but my my boss will fire me if I rest past nine o'clock. My bills won't, who's ever said that? Rest, my bills won't rest. How many times have I said the church won't build itself, God? He's like, you're right, it won't. I'll build it. Survivor is always consumed by themselves. 
But when you're part of something bigger, you realize that there is power in the many. Jesus in Colossians, Bible says that God reconciled everything in heaven and earth to himself through Jesus Christ. It says that he created everything and he saw fit to do so through Jesus Christ. And then it says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Why do you think that you would maybe experience greater momentum on your own instead of connected to the body that is God's? You have a bodyboard, do anything, snowboard, skate. Your body goes where your head goes. Jesus is in control of this ship. And if you want the momentum that comes with being under the power of the Savior of the world, then you've got to understand that God did not create you or give you desires that are disconnected from His destination. The difference is this, that you might not get it the way you want it, but you'll get it better than you ever thought you'd have it. If you want to transition from being a me person into a we together, the community, you've got to embrace and ask God, reveal my purpose. When you can start to pray that dangerous prayer of God, show me my purpose, I promise you that your purpose is the most fulfilling thing, but it is also the most scary thing. What did he say to Joshua? Get up and be very courageous. Do not look to your left or your right. It means you can't even be distracted. Purpose is focused. Purpose is narrow, not broad. Purpose is God-directed. Purpose is the thing that you should be praying for because what you will understand is that maybe what you desire is actually not what you want, but what you think you need. And maybe what you desire comes from a place of brokenness, not a place of wholeness, which leads to prayer number three. If we're going to move into everything that God's got for us and leave survival, we must transition into self-awareness. Do you even know who you are? If we're going to grow, we've got to ask ourselves, ask ourselves this simple thing. God, show me, search me. God, search me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? It's not comfortable. In fact, don't pray it if you want to be comfortable. Like if you're in this room and you're like doing you, you know that saying, I'm just doing me. I'm just doing me right now. I'm just living my best life. Not really. You typically remember your best life. Your best life usually brings fruit. Your best life's never alone. Best life's never selfish. Why don't you ask God, search me? Can I, as a husband, that is the most valuable prayer I could pray for my marriage. Because how often have I thought Audrey needed to change and it's been me? Can I just say, if you want to be a good follower, a good leader, if you want to be in church, rather than praying, search my pastor, how about praying, search me? How often do we think people are the problem, but we're the only constant in our relationships over the years? You ever had that? I just always meet the people that are just annoying. I always meet those that are needy and takers. What is it about you that thinks you need to be that person? So, like, come on now. You're the common denominator. I'm the common denominator. I don't look at you if the church isn't growing. I look at me. I don't look at you if my marriage isn't working. The church demands too much of me. What makes me think I'm there to meet the demands? Search me, God. Why do I want what I want? Why do I seek what I seek? Why do I love what I love? Search me, God. Fourth, we have to shift from my perspective to God's perspective. 
In fact, I'll say you this on this one. Be aware of the look back. You ever left a season? Like, I say it this way. Anyone ever been on a cruise? No one seems excited about that. Which is my point in case. Right? It's a floating hotel with heaps of food. Like, I, can't, I couldn't stand my time on the cruise. Literally, I'm just sitting there going, I've got to do something. So I, so much, I, and I don't want to take ballroom dancing classes. Don't. And I don't like mimes. It's a great show, but I don't want to. Sorry. And I don't want to be on a dance floor where there's only four of us doing line dances. Don't. And I don't need two dinners, two lunches, and two breakfasts, but I'll take it. I get just like, oh, i got to go. The first day on the cruise, I was like, woo! But after that, I was just like, and then I get home and I hit the work schedule. And can I just tell you, after I hit the work schedule, sitting at my little cubicle with my little keyboard, can I just tell you a trick? If you want people to leave you alone while you're not doing work and they show up to your cubicle, just smack the mouse and go, ah, and look around the screen. People will be like, oh, you're busy, I'll come back. Works every time. Ah. I'll come back. I'll come back. Have you called IT? Of course I've called IT. Another good one is like send stuff to the printer, photocopy it, fax it, shred it. How not to be a faithful employee. There you go. I'm sitting at my cubicle. May have faxed some things that I just shredded. Can I just tell you, looking back at the cruise, I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was so good. I remember, now I get one lunch break, I had two. Oh, if only I could be just on days on end in the ocean, trapped. Looking out, oh gosh, it was so good. There's this powerful lens called nostalgia that paints the picture better than when you actually experienced it to the point where God's people leave slavery. I think it's, I've got to enunciate it because it's slavery. They were working and getting whipped. People dying. Context. They leave. There's a moment. They're like, man, gosh, I miss Egypt. Like something. I don't know. Cars are doing, I'm trying to be a DJ. I don't know. But the record scratched. I just imagine some people would have been thinking better things than whoever spoke. We don't know whoever spoke. It's recorded in the book, but we don't know who said it. I'd love to know. When I get to heaven, that's the first thing I'm asking. Who said it? Who said this? I need to meet you. Somewhere in the back of a room in heaven. I reckon one person started, man, I wish we could go back. Oh, man, tell me about it. There's nothing but sand here. Wilderness. I am so over this. We've been going in circles. I don't even think Moses knows what he's doing. Ooh, one big miracle. Man. And then someone goes, tell me about it. Man, I miss the days when we had garlic and onions. I reckon if people were just like, this guy. Garlic and onions. Not even nutritional. Not even good. Great flavoring. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, we all agree. Thank you for your support. But yet, really, you'd go back to slavery and harsh conditions. Jesus dies. What do these guys go back to? Where he found them. 
The look back is real. You know why? Because when you see giants you can't look over, you're more attracted to what you could look back to. There are giants in front of us. And there'll be giants in your life. But your perspective sees a giant. God's perspective sees a great opportunity for His glory. You see a body of water. He sees a miracle. You see a fire. He sees faithfulness. You see a Savior dying. He sees a Messiah rising. You see nothing but problems. He sees nothing but opportunity. You see nothing but your lack. He sees everything about the space He'll fill. We see nothing but a building with a massive land on it. Six million dollars. He sees nothing more than a statement in the city of Chicago that says that God is good. People can find Jesus. Depression doesn't have to be their portion. That's what He sees. I've got to tell you, shift your perspective or you'll always be the sum of your past. Shift your perspective or you'll always be the titles that society gave you. Shift your perspective or you'll always be limited. Shift your perspective and leverage a perspective that is higher. It is God. It does not make sense. It does not seem like you're worth it. It does not seem like you deserve it. But thank God that Jesus died on a cross so that you and I could live a life that is better than our own, that is bigger than our own. We are not going to just survive, but we are going to live in our purpose. Why? Because God is faithful to those who find relationship, who understand humanity, Humility, who know their own heart, who understand that you were made for something greater. Your business is not your own. Your marriage is not just for you and your children. This church is not just for me and you. This church is for every single person in this city and the cities of the world. And when we know it, God will look down from heaven and shift everything. Let me end on this. I said it last night. Every message needs a reply. You ever started a speech bubble and regretted it because you don't even want to write back? Like, ah, oh, now they know. Every message needs a reply. Every prophet that God sent, He sent with a message, but the message needed a reply. It was to get the people back to faithfulness, but the people didn't always reply. Let me ask you people, church, as we got this new building, as we're in this year of level up, let me ask you personally, what has God talked to you about? What message or how has this message hit you? And let me just leave you with this. How will you reply? The best reply you could end with is God send me. Send me into the growth you're calling me to. Send me into the growth that you've got for me. Send me into healing. Send me into the city. Send me to meet your people. Send me to meet your needs. I promise you, if we've almost doubled since December, what do you think will happen by next December? Do you know we've actually, if we fill the next five rows, which are almost there and we already have a few times, and then the next one in the next service, do you know that we've doubled since December? We've doubled since December. That is insane. What do you think will happen if God's people keep answering back? Send me. Reveal yourself to me. Make me humble. Thank you for listening to this message. If God is moving you through this ministry and you feel led to partner with us to connect Jesus to people and people to Jesus, text GIVE to 844-294-8044. We release our podcast every Tuesday so be sure to rate and subscribe. If you are moved by this message, please share it across your social platforms so that others may be encouraged by it and God may speak to them as He spoke to you.